Well, if you have your Bible, turn to the book of Exodus chapter 3. I want to read some, uh, just a, a couple of very short selected uh, portions from chapters 3 and 4 of Exodus. If you'll, Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, this is what it says. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Now the balance of chapter three of the third chapter there is all about God's promise it's about God's call. It's about God's summons upon Moses' life as he calls him to go down to Egypt. And, and, then we'll, and then after all of that, we come to chapter 4. I want to read verse, just the first two verses of chapter 4. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? That's where we're to stop. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we need to hear from you today. Nobody here needs to hear me speak. What, what I have to say, God, is of no consequence, but we have come to hear your voice. We want to hear what you're trying to say to us as a church, what you're trying to say to us as individuals. So, God, I ask that you would speak to us deep in our inner man. We open our hearts in this very moment. If we haven't already, we open our hearts and we just simply say, Lord, have your way. Do whatever you want. There is no area of our lives that is off limits to your Holy Spirit. And we invite you to change our hearts today, to change our minds, to change the way we act, to change the way we live, and Lord, to get us moving forward in the ministries that you've called us to. And I believe you for all of this. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Moses was an old man. His weathered face tanned by 80 years. 80 years of Middle Eastern life and, and 40 years on the backside of the desert. He was an old man, 80 years old. And if you're 80, I apologize. He, he must have said to himself, I'm near the end of my course. He, he must have said to himself a dozen times, surely my life is just about over. Surely as he, as he went caring for his father-in-law's sheep there, he saw his life as having been lived in two different sections. He had lived for 40, year, 40 years in the palaces and pleasures of, of, of Egypt. He was maybe an overlord, maybe second only to Pharaoh, an Egyptian builder, a, a warrior of renown throughout the kingdom of Pharaoh. And then he lived 40 years as a desert chieftain. Lord over nothing more than sheep, hardly even master of his own household. He's an old man, now 80 years of age, on a lonely mountain in a remote desert. And then, that moment. Moses was surely the, the most unlikely choice of God for the deliverance of Israel. He, he is called th uh, through the most remarkable encounter of his life and he has given the most astonishing promises 
Go down into Egypt. Tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Tell my people to follow you. And not only will they follow you, not only will they finally be released from Egypt, but you will walk out with the riches of Egypt. The women who have been slaves will be given gold and jewels by their mistresses. And everyone will carry out the wealth of Egypt in their hands. You will not go empty, go out empty, the Lord said. You will go out full. You will be repaid for 430 years of bondage. And as you walk out of Egypt, you will walk out with the wealth of Egypt in your hands. And God says, now go into Egypt, confront Pharaoh and tell the people to follow you. And after all of that, Moses, in a peculiarly pithy burst of wisdom, says, Lord, I see you. You're you're in that bush. I, I, I see the fire. I see the miracle. But Lord, when I leave this mountain and you leave that bush, all I have is a testimony. Lord, the only thing I have is the, I'll have is the memory of you speaking to me out, out of a burning bush on a remote hillside. And when I go down to Egypt and say, God appeared to me, they'll ask me how. And I'm going to say, well, <laughs> there is this fire in a bush, but it wasn't being burned up. And, and they're going to say, the Lord has not appeared to him. He said, Lord, I need some huge thing. I need a like maybe a fireball to land on Cairo and just burn it all up. Or I need, I need tanks, God. Give, give me an army. That's what I need. Or if you could just let me carry a machine gun, I just, I just need something grand and wonderful and powerful, something magnificent to convince them that I have truly heard from you today. And God's answer is a question. He says, what is that in your hand? Listen to me, whenever God asks you a question, it is never ever because he doesn't know the answer. When God asks you a question, it's because he wants to make sure that you know the answer. He, when, he seeks, when he asks a question, it is to draw your attention to the answer that he already knows. See, God's questions are always rhetorical. Adam, what have you done? He already knew. Adam, where are you? Who, he already knew. And now... What is, what is it that you have in your hand? And Moses, in essence, says, a stick, Lord. I've got a stick. Listen, I want you to understand something. The supernatural operation of God in and through your life always starts where you are. It always starts with you are, if, where you are. If you keep living your life waiting for God to add some flamboyant, spectacular, supernatural thing to your life, you will miss the operation of God in your life and in your leadership and your stewardship now. The, the question God asks of us is not what will you someday have or not what may happen to you or not where will you go uh, uh, to, or live or, or not how much will you earn. The, the question that, that God, who is I am, and, and never I will be, the question of God who is I am and never I was, the question of God who is I am in your life is what is in your hand right now? What's in your hand now? See, we have to overcome the, this prevailing welfare mentality that pervades the American culture that, and informs this idea that somebody somewhere, whether it's the government or some organization or some other person, somebody is going to pay for it and add it or take care of it, that the answer is just going to swoop in from left field somewhere. When what God is saying is quit asking what's in somebody else's hand and ask yourself what's in your hand. 
Do not despise the day of small beginnings. See, Moses had just a little shepherd's staff, the symbol of pastoral leadership. But, but the only, the, the only thing was that he, he, that he had, he only had sheep and no people. He had a rod of authority, uh, but, but he, but he was, but he had no nation to lead. He had supernatural power, but he, he was all alone in the wilderness. I mean, that's got to be the most frustrating moment in the world. That's, that to me is like, I used to play a lot of golf. That's like shooting a hole in one while nobody's looking. Right? You, you line up on a hole that's hundreds of yards long and you, it has four lakes and nine sand traps and two dog legs in it and you pop that ball and it goes off the side, hits a tree, lands on a cinder block, hits the cart path, bounces again, hits a bird and then a, then a squirrel, then a duck gets caught in the wind and then it actually miraculously flies into the hole on one shot and you look around and you're all alone. Moses is talking to God here face to face. He's talking to God face to face. And Moses is like, nobody's going to believe this. Nobody's going to believe this. Listen, the, the issue is not the experiences that you have had with God in private. Those issues are yours and yours alone. The issue is not the realm of authority to which God will lead you. The issue is not the ministerial or secular leadership position to which God will guide you. The, the issue is whether or not you are a faithful steward over what's in your hand right now. You know, there was a group of pastors griping and complaining and moaning. I know that's shocking that pastors do that, but, uh, but it happens. And they were, they, were, they were complaining about some statements made by Tommy Barnett. And many of you don't know who Tommy Barnett is. He, he pastored for many, many years what was at the time the largest Assembly of God church in the, in the United States. Tommy Barnett is a soul winner. He is a dreamer. <clears throat> He's a visionary. And the, these pastors had gone to hear Tom, Tommy Barnett's talk, and they were talking to one another about it. And they were just talking about all these ideas that Tommy had and that he was going to do. And, and they, they, they were talking to each other. They said, you know, I'm just sick of hearing about it. If we had a church the size of Tommy Barnett's and the resources that Tom, Tommy Barnett has, we, we would do those things too. And well, there happened to be another pastor standing nearby who was also a successful pastor, but but he, he, he just he heard this and he just kind of got sideways with him. And, and so he went over to them. And he, he said to them, he said, listen, fellas, you'll never have a church the size of Tommy Barnett's and you're not ever going to have the resources that he's got until you use the resources that you have in your church right now for the glory of God. See, a large church is not, not the goal. Tommy never walked out. When he went to the church there, it was not a massive church. He didn't go and stand on the parking lot of the church and say, someday I'm going to have the largest church in the United States and in this, in this place. That's not what it was. His goal was just simply to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and we forget that guys like Tommy Barnett don't just suddenly appear full grown. They started somewhere. They had a small beginning somewhere doing something and it just, it happened to be that God blessed it and grew it, and that's what happened. Make what you have work. Do what you can. Don't wait for something to happen before you do something now. I, I remember when I first went to the church in Fredonia, Kansas. I went there as youth pastor. That's where I met Julie, by the way, so it was a great trip there. <laughs> you know, when you find your, your best friend for life, that's a great place to go. Uh, but, but I met Julie there. I was working for $150 a week. And, uh, and even back in those days, that wasn't, that wasn't enough to cover expenses. Uh, but it was just a small kind of a country church. And 
it, it was there was no youth room set aside. The facilities weren't ideal, but uh, ideal. But we had a we had a good team of people who loved teenagers, and and we found a room and we cleaned it up and we did everything that we could do to make a place where teenagers could come in and experience the power of the Holy Spirit and and find Jesus. Listen, don't wait to become the leader of a great ministry, or you'll never become the leader of a great ministry. It doesn't happen when you, where you jump into this great big spotlight moment. You start where you are. Do what you can do today with what you have right now. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? God, God uh, never asked Moses where he was headed. God never asked Moses what group or organization or nation he was going to lead. He said, the only thing I'm asking you to be responsible for is whatever is in your hand right now. He's saying, Moses, you want something to be able to prove that you've met with me. You're asking for some great sign, some wonderful miracle. What's in your hand? Don't keep telling God the great things you're going to do someday by and by. Quit telling God all the wonderful things that you're going to accomplish in life. And listen, we've even heard this morning about great words of, that have been spoken over this church. And that is wonderful. But you can't just sit around and say, well, let's just wait for something to happen because God said he wants this to happen. You, you have to do what you can do now. You have to use what's in your hand now. Do your job well now, wherever you're working. If you're a student, make an A in algebra. Lead your family as a man of God now. Serve your neighbor now. Take care of all that God has put in your hand now. This moment is in your hand. This life is in your hand. Tomorrow is not in your hand. Yesterday is already gone from your hand. This moment, this day, this time, your life right now, that's in your hand. What's in your hand? Second thing is, what, what was in his hand? A, a stick. Moses had a stick in his hand. Now, I mean, we want to dress it all up and call it the rod of authority or, you know, the shepherd's staff or whatever it is, but it was just a big stick. It's really what it was. We, we can assign all kinds of symbolic things to it, but the fact of the matter is that what he had was a stick. And I just want to say you, to you, one of the great truths of the Pentecostal faith, and I want you to hear this if you don't hear anything else today, is that God uses common things to accomplish uncommon goals. The book of Judges is really a celebration of that anthem that God uses common things to accomplish uncommon goals. Shamgar killed 600 Philistines with an ox goat. Jael, a woman, slew Sisera, a great army general, with a hammer and a spike. Gideon won a great battle with nothing but pottery, torches, and trumpets. Samson slew an army with the jawbone of a donkey. Quit telling God that you can't preach. Quit telling God that you can't teach a Sunday school class. Quit telling God that you can't lead a ministry. Quit telling God that you can't meet that need. Quit telling God what you don't have and what you can't do. Moses said, God, he had all the excuses. He said, God, I'm old. He said, God, I can't speak plainly. God, I'm afraid. God, I don't want to go to Egypt. And Moses said, oh God, I, I, I don't have this and I don't have that and I can't do this and I can't do that. And God's answer to Moses is, look at the stick in your hand. God wants to do supernatural, the supernatural, but he uses the most ordinary things to do it. With that very stick, Moses struck the ground and turned dust into lice. With that very stick, 
Moses threw that stick down and it became a serpent. And when the Egyptian magicians matched it, Moses' stick ate theirs. I love that moment. I love that because now, now the, the magicians have got to go you get a new stick. I always thought about that. They have to go down and get a, go to the stick store and buy it. I don't know what they did. With that stick, Moses struck the waters of the Nile and turned it to blood. It was that stick that Moses extended over the Red Sea and the waters stood on end and the Israelites walked through to liberty on dry ground. And when he withdrew that stick, the mighty armies of Israel were destroyed as the water crashed in around him. Listen, you know, there was an Assembly of God evangelist that went to preach at a crusade in a certain county in Georgia. And the crusade was was going to be held in a high school baseball stadium. It was an outdoor crusade. And, and when, he, when he got there, he met with the local leadership committee the, the day before the crusade. Now, he, he, he was, didn't have a big evangelistic team you know, that worked with him, so he didn't have any team members there. The local leadership had planned everything, and he was just invited in as the speaker. And, and he, so he met with the committee, and there, there were a good number, number of people in the room, and and as he met with him, they just started telling him all these negative things. They said, well, we, we didn't have enough money for promotion. We, we were going to make some posters, but we didn't have money for that. We were going to go on radio, but we didn't have money for that. And, and so they started telling him all these things that they didn't have and all these things that he could, they couldn't do. We don't have this. We don't have that. We couldn't do this. We couldn't do that. And, and so finally, the evangelist just kind of stopped them and spoke up. And he said, listen, guys, all you've told me since I got here is what you don't have. I want to know what you do have. And they said, well, we, we have three things. We have the baseball stadium, we have a speaker, and we have us. And, and, and the evangelist looked at them and said, listen, if God shows up, that's all we need. He said, now quit telling me what we don't have and let's use what we have. He said, gather every man and woman that you can find tomorrow afternoon at four o'clock and we're going we're gonna to go and visit every house in this, in this town. It was a small town. He said, you don't need posters. You need somebody to knock on doors and say, I'd, I'd like to invite you to the baseball stadium tonight for this, for this uh, uh, rally with this crusade we're doing. And that the next afternoon, they visited 500 homes. 500 homes, and they packed that baseball stadium, and there was a great move of God in that town. Listen, don't sit around whining over what you don't have. I don't have money. Anybody can relate with that one. I, I, don't, have a, I don't have a lot of kids in my class. I, I don't have money for the equipment to do exciting multimedia presentations. I, I don't have a good room for my class. I don't have any help. I don't have the time. I don't have yada, yada, yada. Listen, figure out what's in your hand and use those God-given natural things until the supernatural shows up. If you wait for the supernatural to show up before you do anything, it'll never happen. Act with the natural things that are already in your hand, and then the supernatural shows up. I, I like to think of it like this. We say, God, anoint me, God, anoint me, God, anoint me. we got to give him something to anoint. Use what you have. Put it in his hand to do something with it. Now, the third thing is this. Listen to this sentence. What is that? We, we've answered that. It was a stick. What is that in your hand? The third thing is this, whatever it is, your brain, your, your talents, your resources, your strength, your situation in life, whatever it is, the natural circumstances of your life, that stick that you have, whatever it is, it's in your hand. 
It's in your hand. Whatever God has given you is in your hand. And God will not pry the stick out of your hand. It's in your hand to waste it. It's in your hand to withhold it. It's in your hand to consecrate it. It's in your hand to lay it at the feet of Jesus. God's not going to jerk it out of your hand. It's in your hand to stretch it out in faith, believing God to do miracles with it. That's what, you, what we have. It's in your hand. God's not going to make you do anything. There's a man named Nat uh, who, who's pastored for many, many years. He's pastored some fine churches, not, not little tiny churches, not mega churches, but, uh, but, but really large churches of eight or nine hundred. And he's had a, a great career and a wonderful ministry. He's touched many, many lives. But what you don't know about Nat is he has cerebral palsy. He drags his right leg and his right arm is slightly, slightly withered and turned. And when he preaches, it, it has a slight drag and is a difficulty in saying words. And when you would hear him and, and you would think, how can God use that? Well, the turning point for this man came when he was about the, when it was about, when he was in about the fifth grade. One night, Nat's family came home from a revival that, that his father, who was a pastor, his father was preaching this. When they got home, they realized that they had forgotten the key to the front door. Uh, uh, but his father did, however, have a key to the back door of the house. Well, the weather was terrible. It was freezing cold, sleeting rain. And his father looked at his son, Nat, and he, and he said to him, here's the key to the back door. Go around the house, open the back door, come through the house, and let us in. I'm going to wait with your mom in the car. You go on and you do this. So young Nat took the key and he went around the back of the house. He stood there in the sleeting rain, his right hand shaking, his left hand was unstable, and he couldn't make the keyhole work. He got panicky, and he, he knew his dad and his mom were waiting, and he dropped the key, and he groped around in the rain. He finally found it, and he was so frustrated. He was crying and feeling discouraged. He went back around the house, and he said to his dad, I can't. In that moment, his dad stepped out in the rain, and he said, don't ever say that to me again. Don't ever say that to me again. If you say you can't, you can't. He said, you can. From now on, you can. He said, we're going to settle it tonight in this rain. Take this key and go around there and unlock that door. And that went around that house in the rain, feeling sorry for himself, weeping, crying, thinking, my, my mean dad, he's so mean. He doesn't understand my affliction. He doesn't, doesn't get this. And he but he finally got back there and he got that key in the keyhole and he got that door open. And when he stepped inside that door, the Lord spoke to him and he said, I will use your crippled body to open doors for many. What's in your hand? So many of the whiny, overfed, overindulged, selfish Christians of the Western Hemisphere keep waiting and waiting and waiting for the burning bush to appear. And God is waiting for you to use the staff that's in your hand. I, I can remember a time when I was coming back from a youth camp and I was driving the bus back to the church and I was praying and just talking to the Lord. And we were having this conversation and I was thinking and, and the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, you know what? There are too many of my people that are waiting for me to do something to them and I'm trying to do something through them. If you're sitting around and waiting for the supernatural to hit you, start letting God do something through you instead of waiting for Him to do something to you. God's waiting 
for you to, you to use the staff that's in your hand. Quit tell, telling anybody that will listen about all the stuff that's missing in your life. Quit telling, well, if I was like, if I could sing like Marybeth, well, then, then I could do something for God. Or if I could speak like so-and-so, or if I had this gift, if I could play guitar, if I could do this, if I could do that, well, then I would let God use me. I'd have something I could really do. And quit talking about and worrying about what everybody else has in their hand and look at your own life and say, what's in my hand? What is it that I can do? What is it that God has gifted me with? What is it that I have? And you may be like Nat, where all he had was a crippled up body and he and in the world's eyes he was he was disabled he could not do things that other people could do but he said God even with this crippled up body if you can use it here it is this is what's in my hand I'm going to use it God has done marvelous things I'm going to show a video of a man many of you may have heard of David Ring but he's got a story a little bit similar to Nat's I want you to watch this video and then we're, we're going to close in just a moment. But watch this because I think it will challenge you as you hear, as you see somebody who's taken what God has given him in his hand and he's put it, he's put it to work and he said, God, use me. Watch this video. Born to lose over born dead for 18 minutes. When I was born, I was a stillborn baby. I was a dead baby. I was a blue baby. They put my body on a table in the corner and left me for dead. But it's not over until God say it's over. When I was 11 years old, my daddy got sick. Two weeks later, my daddy died with cancer of the liver. When I came along, I'm, I'm the baby of eight. And I'm not only the baby of eight. I'm a eight number one mama, baby boy. I love my mama. My mama did everything for me. She fed me, she clothed me, she bathed me, she walked with me and helped me. But one day in my life, my mom got sick when I was 14 years old. The doctor came to my family and said, your mama will never come home again. She had cancer, she had six months. At the very moment to live, I said, no, my mama, my mama will never abandon me. My mama told me, I, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. But I, I got down on my knees and prayed, God, don't take mama. God, don't take mama. God, don't take mama. But in October, 1968, my mama took a last breath. And when my mama died, I didn't want to live. I wanted to die too. I didn't have one thing to live for. Everywhere I went, people made fun of me. They look at me and they point and call me every name other than my own. Yeah, 
look the boy walk funny, look the boy talk funny. I went home every day and got in bed and chilled, rolling down my face, begging to die. I attempted suicide every other day for two years. Everybody gave up on me. I gave up on me. One night, I went to church. I didn't want to go to church. I've been to church, but God don't love me. If God love me, why God take away my mama? If God love me, why God pick on me? God don't even like me. But that night, I sat down in a church. Then I found out one thing. I found out that God does love me. Then I had a wonderful plan for my life. I found out that I'm not okay, but that's okay. God love me just the way I am. And that night, I... I came and I gave my life to the Lord. I went back to school after that night. The student body that called me every name other than my own, a public school. They were so dumbfounded. They had to call together a large good assembly to find out what changed my life. And I said to the body, I'm not the same anymore. I've been changed. I gave my life to God. I'm, I don't want to die anymore. I want to live. Why? Because I got something worth living for. They voted me to be the most popular boy in that the body. I became popular where I gave my life to God. God called me to go all over the United States telling my story. They tell me I, I will never be I will never be a preacher. They say you won't ever make it. But I only been doing it. 37 years. They said, nobody will invite you to their church, uh, but I have spoken in over 6,000 churches. We throw away broken things, but God don't. God used broken things. They told me I will never find a wife. No woman will love you. You're not good enough to be loved. But September 5th, 1981, God gave me a beautiful bride. We have been together for over 28 years. They told me I would never be a daddy, but I am I, not once but four times. 
Every time I look at my family, all I can say to God be the glory. Great thing he had done. I thank God every day for taking away my mama. If God did not take away my mama, my children would not be born. If God did not allow my mama to die, I would never find a wife. God saw a dead baby, and God brought that dead baby to life. And one day I'm going to wake up, I'm going to have me a brain and body, I'm going to see my mom and my dad again. We're going to live forever. And I'm going to say to my Lord, Lord, why have you been so good to me? And I hope it will say, well done, good and favor. Servant. Everybody want to be love. Everybody want to be love. <sighs> That's a man who's using whatever he has. He could have wasted his life away. He could have wallowed in self-pity. He could have whined and complained about what he didn't have and, 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 and what, he, what he could have done if life hadn't been so, so unfair. I had the privilege when I was on staff at the church in Twin Falls. He came and did a citywide crusade. And I, get to hear, I got to hear him speak in person. I remember one service he was talking about uh, serving God without making excuses. And I, I'll never forget, he, it, with, uh, it, you have to listen very closely, as you can tell, to hear, to understand what he's saying. But I remember as he closed that message, he asked a very simple but a very penetrating question. He looked at the crowd and he said, I have cerebral palsy. What's your excuse? It's time for us to stop making excuses and use whatever we have in our hand to reach people for Jesus, build a kingdom. That's what it's about. That's the mission. And that, our purpose is to glorify God. But that is how we glorify Him, by bringing people to Jesus so that more and more of us are together and we'll have that moment in eternity where we'll stand together and, and, you know, I don't believe some people like to tell stories, and, you know, make up scenarios and say that somebody's going to come to you and say, oh, I'm so glad you're here. No, no, I think I think we're all going to stand there and be in awe of just Jesus. And we'll say, because all I can say is, if you came to know Jesus through my life, it's because of him. It's all about him. It's all about his glory. You might say, my, my mom and dad got a divorce and it just kind of messed up my life or my dad left us or things are really difficult for me or I was brought up in a really bad situation or you might even say horrible things were done to me when I was a little kid and okay, I understand that. We're all sympathetic. We all understand the damage that's been done in your life but that, that still does not answer the question that God is asking you today. What's in your hand? 
What's in your hand? What is it that you can do? What is it that you have? How can you glorify Him? How can you serve Him? What can you do? What's in your hand right now? We, can put, we need to put the past under the blood of Jesus in, 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 and in faith. Believe that the simple stick, if a simple stick is all you have, then you can use that for the glory of God. Step up on a rock, stretch it out over the Red Sea, and in faith, believing that God is going to do something supernatural. Do whatever you can with whatever is in your hand. Do it with excellence. Do it well. Do it to the best of your ability as an offering to God. Do it in the joy of the Lord. Do it as, as a consecrated servant of God. Do it as an act of worship. You can either waste your life waiting for God to put a golden scepter in your hand or you can use the stick you have now. And listen, any old stick will work to beat the devil. You know, you don't need a fancy stick to beat the devil with. Just whoop him with the one you have. Would you pray with me? Father, I don't know about anybody else, but God, I feel so challenged by your spirit. God, I have fallen into that trap that those other pastors have fallen into in, in the past. There have been times when I've looked at larger churches and said, well, we could do something if we had those resources. And, and God, I, I repent before you of those moments. Because God, it's not about what we don't have. It's not about what we may have someday. It's about what we have now. And so, God, I pray that every one of us, not just as corporately as a church, but every one of us individually would look at our lives and say, okay, what do I have now? What, what about my job? What skills do I have? What things can I do well? What gifts have, has God given to me? And God, that we would, we would simply respond in this moment and offering that to you and say, God, this seems like nothing but a stick. But if you could use it, here it is. Maybe there's somebody here that they say that the only thing I know how to do is cook. God, I pray that they would cook for your glory. That they would, they would give food to people who are hungry. They'd give food to people who are hurting. And that through that food, God, that you would communicate the love of Christ. There might be people here to say, all I can do is I can work with my hands. I pray, God, that you would they'd put that in your hands. And, and whether it's cutting grass or trimming bushes or cleaning houses or, or cleaning toilets even, God, that they would say, Lord, here it is. I'm putting it in your hands. Use it. It's for your glory. Let, let me love somebody through this, this ability. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's something a little little that we tend to think of more spotlight gifts or ministries, God, whatever it is. I pray, God, that every one of us in this place would say, God, here's what I have. Maybe there's some person here who's got an aptitude with mechanics or something, and, and, and they, could, they could serve widows or, or single moms by doing work on vehicles or whatever it is, God. You, you, it's in your hands. We want to put it in your hands. We don't want to get caught up saying, well, I wish I could do more. Well, if I was, if I was younger, I could get something done. Or if I was older, then maybe I, God could use me. But God, help us to stop making any excuses. Moses made all of the excuses. He said, I can't do it. I, I can't speak well. They won't believe me. 
But God, I pray that instead we just look at what we have in our hand and say, God, here it is. It's humble. Without your touch, it's meaningless. But God, as we put it in your hand, I pray that your spirit would flow through us. We would touch a community. God, that we would see those those words of prophecy about this church come true because we didn't wait for something to happen, but we started using what we had. And we put it in your hand. And you did the miraculous. With heads bowed and eyes are closed, listen, I don't know where anybody is. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what you, frankly, I don't even know what your skills, what your talents, what your abilities, I don't know what you have in your hand. But today, I just want to challenge you. If I could, I would get on my knees and beg you and say, hey, whatever you have, put it in the hands of God. Stretch it out like Moses stretched out that stick and see what miracle he may do. See what lives may change around you when you begin to serve them with that, that stick that's in your hand. And if this morning, if you're in this place and you hear the, the voice of God, you sense the tugging of the Spirit and you feel challenged deep within, as I have felt challenged, even as I'm preaching this word, then you would say, Pastor Dave, I want you to pray for me because I don't have much, but what I do have, I just want to put my stick in God's hands. I want to stretch out my stick. I want to let God see what God will do with what I have. If that's you in this place, would you slip your hand up right where, right where you are? Oh, they're all over the place. All over the place. Listen, I'm telling you, listen. God turned the world upside down with 12 men that followed him. What can he do with a room full of people who will say, I surrender all. Here's my stick. It's not much, God, but what I have, I surrender to you. Would you stand together with me, Father, as we're standing in your presence? Lord, you know what you're speaking to us about. Everybody in this room, I believe, is holding one stick or another. There's something that we have. There's something that's in our hands, something that you've put there, you've given to us. And God, we have, sometimes we have diminished that. We have said, oh, it's nothing but God today. Instead of saying, I wish I had something better than just a stick, I pray that this would be a turning point. And we'd say, God, here's the stick that I have. I'm going to stretch it out. I'm going to see what you will do through, through my life. And God, it's, it's not so that we'll be glorified or looked up to, but so that the name of Jesus will be lifted up. And Lord, as we stand in this place right now, would you just symbolically just lift your hands to him and just say, Lord, here I am. Lord, you see every hand that is raised. You see every heart that is willing. And I pray, God, that as we stand in your presence, we're holding that stick up to you and saying, Lord, here it is. And I pray, God, that we will take action, that we will do what we can do with what you have given us, trusting you to do the miraculous. And I pray, God, that you would change lives through our lives, through simple things, whether it's cooking or cleaning or or mowing lawns or fixing cars or or helping with with uh, uh, bookkeeping or whatever it might be, God. It's endless what, what could be done. And let it all be done for your glory in the name of Jesus so that you would be seen. And we give you thanks. 
the strong name of Jesus we pray. Amen.